0: Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hochberg, and this is episode number 385. One Royal Caribbean cruise ship has restarted cruises, and that's a really big deal. So this week I'm talking with Chris Gray Faust about the significance of Quantum of the Seas restarting operations, as well as breaking down the false positive scare from last week. Here we go. Perhaps the best news in just about nine months has been the, the news of Royal Caribbean restarting cruises with Quantum of the Seas in Singapore. It is one small step, but a significant one. And uh, just the other week, Royal Caribbean was able to restart with Quantum of the Seas. And help me talk about this big news. And not only is the news big, but also we'll talk about some of the, uh, an incident that occurred on board that also caught everyone's attention. And that is uh, Chris Gray Faust, who's the managing editor of CruiseCritic.com. Chris, welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast.
1: Thanks for having me, Matt. I'm happy to be here.
0: Absolutely, this is—it's very interesting times. And we were talking offline before we started recording. But I had the choice of you know when we could do this interview, and I, the choice was last week or this week. And I said, yeah, we'll do it next. You know, we'll do it next week. It'll be fine. You know, there's that. What could possibly have changed between weeks? And boy, am I glad that we had the opportunity to to defer an extra week.
1: I think so too because I really think that this that the quantum of the seas restart really kind of encapsulates what the cruise industry has been facing in terms of successes and then also potential setbacks but then also looking looking at what kind of has been going right and what they're learning from it you know we don't have cruising in the United States right now so it's been very interesting for cruise lovers to see what's been happening in Singapore and um, you know over in Europe up with some of the other lines, because these can kind of give us clues about what the cruising experience might look like when we're able to go from
0: the United States. Absolutely, Chris. You know, in fact, hearing what you were just telling me, it seems to me Quantum of the Seas is a little bit of a microcosm of the cruise industry right now. It's one ship being able to set sail with, you know, obviously new protocols while the most of the other cruise ships are not operational and they've encountered uh, a newsworthy uh, news cycle that occurred as well. So it, there's a lot that's happened here with these first couple of sailings on Quantum of the Seas, and um, you know she did a couple of sail. Let's let's start before the news. We'll, we'll get to the we'll get sure. to the, 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 the big <laughs> stuff there a little later. Let's, let's work up to that point. Absolutely. So Quantum of the Seas restarts cruising out of Singapore. These are short sailings, three and four nighters, available only to residents of Singapore. Their cruises to nowhere. They don't go to any uh, ports. They just. Around around, you know, go around in the ocean over there, and then return to Singapore. And, um, you know, this is significant, Chris, I feel, because, of course, it's the first Royal Caribbean international ship to restart. Royal did not restart operations in Europe like MSC did, um, as uh, or, or some other cruise lines for that matter. Um, what was your initial take on Quantum being able to restart here in Singapore?
1: Well, I think it was really exciting because Quantum of the Seas um, is a ship that american you know people American people who love cruising can kind of wrap their head around right they don't know some of these other european smaller European lines that have restarted. they might not be as familiar with them. but Quantum of the Seas you know is the original quantum class ship from Royal that's a class that people love you know they love Anthem of the Seas. They love the ships that have come in that class. And so I think when we're talking about Quantum the Seas, it's very easy for Royal Caribbean cruise lovers to really envision more, maybe more precisely what cruising might look like when they can resume. So I do think it's important for that in that it's really, I think, the first cruise ship out there that people can kind of wrap their head around what these changes might look like.
0: Absolutely. And, and I think, Chris, also to paraphrase or borrow a phrase, I guess, from Frank Sinatra, if Royal Caribbean can make it there, they can make it anywhere. Singapore, Singapore, because, <laughs> um, boy, Singapore really has, it's, it's like the right situation, right scenario for them to be able to restart, given how Singapore has positioned itself um, with its own populace during the whole um, global health crisis. And then, of course, the, 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 the laws and, and the tight integration, I think is the best way to put it, between the cruise line and the government there.
1: Well, that's correct. I mean, we all know that for cruising to restart, there does have to be a partnership between a government that really wants to work with the cruise lines, and and you know, and the cruise lines themselves. And I think that Singapore was, um, you know, they were they were an, a good partner for this because this is not a country that takes COVID, you know, lightly. They have definitely, um, you know, it's a country that has a lot of regulations. Otherwise, they took it very seriously to the point where you know there's very few right now i mean in the current weeks there's been like zero net new cases often uh in singapore so the covid rate that that's kind of important to note that part of the reason it is a successful place for them to to start to have a restart is that the covid uh cases in the community are very very low almost to nil so sometimes people say how can a cruise start how can there be any cruising anywhere right now and you need to educate them in that well look other places in the world actually don't have the same situation that we have here in the united states or even in europe that you know the virus sort of has, has ebbed and flowed over the course of these nine months you know this year almost and so kind of singapore is a good place to start and it's a great place because you know, the, the government there took it very seriously. They have some regulations of their own that dovetailed with what Royal Caribbean was trying to do. And I think that's ultimately what has made this um, a successful restart and also has, has allowed them to get over some of these challenges.
0: That's a great point, Chris. And I, and I wanted to ask you, building on that, you followed some of the other cruise Line restarts in Europe, uh, MSC, some of the Carnival um, uh, not uh, subsidiary brands. So mm-hmm. how similar or un- dissimilar is what Royal Caribbean is doing in Singapore to what some of these other cruise lines have done in Europe over the summer.
1: I think what you're seeing is that all of the restarts have sort of followed a layering process, right? Where none of the ones that are successful are relying on any one thing to prevent COVID nineteen. That there, you know, that's why I think what we've learned from all these restarts around the world that it's not just one thing that's going to get cruising back. It's a layering approach. So, you know, you need to have the contact tracing that we now have seen uh, that Singapore really sort of leaned into, and that we see really worked uh, is working on quantum. You need to have a testing requirement that's very um, strict you know that's what MSC uh, did very well to the point where other brands followed their example like Costa and um, AIDA And you really need to have the masks and the social distancing, which is also something that these other lines that have restarted have done. So I think like piece by piece, line by line, we're coming to the conclusion that, you know, right now at this point, you know, this is before there's widespread vaccines, you know, right now though, that as we're restarting, you need to have a very layered approach with um, several different tools as opposed to just relying on one.
0: Yeah, that's that's a great point. Um, You know, certainly this multi-layered approach has been, the mo and and I think a lot of the cruise lines are kind of learning because I remember when MSC instituted their l- rule about you know you can't go you can't go from a only shoreline excursions right and then there was that one family who violated the rule and they got a ton of attention because R- MSC kicked them right off the ship you know said that's it you're done you broke the rule you know you lose you win nothing yep. go, good day sir like you know that, that was it and and they were on their way and that sort of policy went from sh- kind of shock value a little bit to no this is now the law of the land until further notice.
1: Well, it's interesting because really MSC cruises, to give them some credit, they were the first line to come out with very, you know, at the time, and I think this was in the spring, maybe mm-hmm. April or May, the, these, these guidelines they put out, like the ship-only ship excursions, I mean, they seemed really strict, right? And I think a lot of us in the industry were like, wow, that that is going to be hard for them to do. And then sure enough, they, they showed, um, they put sort of their, um, you know, they, they really stuck to their guns and when people violated their rules they they kicked them off and i think at first that that really kind of got people's attention because you know, people who were paying attention to the virus and how it was spreading were thinking, you know, wow, they, sh- this, they really are trying to provide a safe bubble type experience for the cruisers. And that's ultimately going to be a safer way of going about it than uh, we maybe previously would have thought. So, yeah, it's very interesting how it's kind of evolved from something that seemed very strict to something that seems actually now very smart and very forward thinking and that the other lines are really doing now. They really kind of set the bar there.
0: Absolutely well said, yeah, and so now we we have Quantum of the Seas. they did a couple of cruises, and now we 're going to transition and talk about the big story that happened in the last couple of days here, a little less than a week ago, which was the uh, passenger who reported not feeling well on the ship, and it turned out that the test they took on board uh, tested positive for Covid nineteen which then you know uh, was was a major uh, announcement, and the ship ended the, it's sailing early, they followed the all the rules that uh, Royal Caribbean and the government of Singapore had laid out there. And you actually had, you, you cruise critic, I should say, uh, had actually someone on board during this ordeal, which ended up actually being a false positive. There was no uh, actual case of the virus on board. And the, um, and we'll put some links in the show notes here on Royal Caribbean, uh, blog.com if you want to check out uh, the, the, the timeline here. But this would tell us about what your uh, colleague discovered on the ship and what it was like, because it was an incredible 48 to 72 hours, especially how the narrative shifted dramatically.
1: Yeah, you know, um, we had had an experience like this where we had had a writer on the Sea Dream Yacht Club sailing that also, you know, had a positive, in that case, that really was some positive cases. So we had been through this before with a freelancer. Um, I think the timing on this one, you know, for her, her, the writer was Heidi Sarna of uh, QuirkyCruises.com. I do want to give her that shout out. Um, She really was, um, I mean, she, I think we broke the news because we, you know, she let us know almost immediately through WhatsApp what was going on. And it was really kind of early in the morning, her time on that day. I think what we really kind of found with that—that was different than I would say than some of the other previous um, outbreaks that have happened of COVID nineteen—is that Royal Caribbean has now, you know, on this sailing between, you know, the Royal Caribbean combined with Singapore, their requirements. There's really three layers of contact tracing on that ship right now, and so what was different was that while everybody's cruise was affected and that they had to go, the ship did turn around to come back what was really kind of innovative here and i think is the lesson to take away is that this level of contact tracing really meant that they were very able they were able to really precisely tell who had been in contact with that passenger and who had not mm-hmm. and because of that even when the ship came back the rest you know the rest of the passengers were not thrown into a extensive or onerous quarantine situation they were actually able they took a test in the uh, terminal before they left to make sure that uh, indeed they did not have COVID, and then they were allowed to go home. Um, Previously, that wasn't necessarily the case. You know, uh, when when you didn't have that type of contact tracing, people were concerned, like, is there a case on board? Is the whole ship going to be quarantined? That kind of thing. So I really think the winner in this situation is the contact tracing, because it really did kind of narrow it down to, okay, who has been around this passenger? Who needs to really worry about this? Uh, who is, you know, or, or who can kind of get off the ship and go on with their lives.
0: Yeah, I, I, there's no doubt about that. That's, that's huge right there to be able to leverage that kind of technology, which also, by the way, a lot of that comes from the Singaporean government because they have their own, Singapore has its own brand, I guess you want to call it that, of contact tracing. There's a Bluetooth app or token that you can use in order to do that. And I, and I agree, Chris, that sounds like it's a, a big part of it. I also think that even before Quantum restarted Cruises, there was a substantial amount of effort in Royal Caribbean's new health protocols in Singapore to address mm-hmm. this exact scenario and to promise people they were not going to be like the people that were on those uh, princess cruises in Asia in uh, January where they were, you know, stuck on board for weeks and, and, and longer. Um, it seems like the plan, the battle plan came together precisely the way they wanted it to to avoid the optics of what happened last time.
1: Yeah, I mean they had really worked on their technology. You know, they had the trace; they had their own contact tracing through the tracelit wristband that now passengers wear, where it really does uh, track where they go and allows them to know who's been close to who. They also had people tap their key cards when they went into certain places like restaurants and venues, and that also kind of again helped with that kind of uh, contact tracing. And then beyond contact tracing, you know, they had worked out a staggered embarkation, ske- you know, uh, schedule that that uh, seem to work really well in Singapore. And they also have that new e-muster drill where you're not congregating in big groups anymore for the muster drill. You're able to do it on your own within the confines of your cabin. I mean, that's something that I know that we at Cruise Critic were certainly excited to see whether there would have been a pandemic or not Mm -hmm. because the muster drill has always been a place of a pain point, right? You're interrupting, you just get on board, you're excited, you're running around or unpacking your clothes, and then all of a sudden you need to sort of interrupt your time Time to go down and stand with a bunch of strangers and put on a life jacket, perhaps. And I think the E muster solution uh, that Royal Caribbean has come up with is is also very innovative. And um, I think I think that again, it solves a pain point that would have that was already that you know it already is an improvement whether there's a pandemic or not.
0: That's a great point. Uh, I I think that again, if if nothing else, if we all look back on this ten years from now and we say, boy, can you believe that happened? The best thing to come out of this may be just the E muster drill and the fact that we don't have to disrupt our day like that. So I agree 100%. I wanted to ask you something because the fallout of all this, even after it came back with false positive, false alarm, okay, no problem. A lot of my readers were concerned, not that the protocols didn't work exactly the way they were supposed and everything looked good. They were concerned that one case is one too many and the cruise had to come to an abrupt end. And for a lot of readers, they kind of came to the conclusion that while these protocols seem to work, or at least they're, they're, they're in the right, they're going in the right direction. Certainly. Is this a sustainable operation? Is it the right thing to do? And when I say, right, I'm talking about more, uh, theoretical, more conceptual than, you know, maybe academic, but is it, is, is shutting down, ending a cruise for one case, a sustainable operation for any cruise line?
1: Well, I think the way to look at it is that this is a learning process. As really all of these, this whole restart has, has lent, lent itself to a lot of learnings. And I do think that Royal Caribbean will likely adapt. I mean, it turned out that that test that they took on board was a false positive. I mean, the Singapore government retested the same sample and found that it was negative. So that means there probably was something in the lab that needs to be fixed, you know, um, that, that they do maybe need to, to fi- you know, figure some things out there in terms of what they're testing, you know, what kind of test it is and, and sort of their results. And so I do think that with all of these, the lines are going to pivot and learn. And I don't know if, if they do, you know, maybe the next time they will test the sample twice. You know, or take another sample you know right there on board and not have to go through that again so I mean that's sort of a speculation there but I mean I can only imagine that the lines are learning from this and the fact that they're going that they have resumed and that they're going back out again um, you know I do think it's important you know I noted this already I do think it's important to note that the cases overall in Singapore are very low and that that kind of helps contribute um, a degree of confidence to this type of sailing when people when US readers, Say to a cruise line going, they're thinking of the numbers and, that we have COVID that we have here in the states, and they're not putting themselves in the position of thinking, "Wow, what if we were in a country where there wasn't a lot of cases? You would be able to look at things a little bit differently." And that's hard, it's a hard leap for people to do, right? Because right now there is, a, you know, we're we're spiking with COVID, whereas other countries aren't necessarily. And so, again, I, I see this as a learnings. I think they're going to take it and go and pivot from it, and um, you know, make the process even better, and maybe. Maybe that's the last time they'll have to turn around for one case. Maybe they're going to improve the process so much that that will be. You know, this is this is their big learning.
0: Yeah, one of the speaking of testing, um, you know, one of the things that I noted, or I noticed rather, that um, Heidi had mentioned in her post. Which, by the way, there's a great blog post on um, Cruise Critic that I'll post in the show notes as well for you guys to see. This is. uh, Heidi, who was the uh, contributor that worked with Cruise Critic here on that particular sailing, some of the, you know, what worked, what didn't work type post. And um, the testing, it was interesting, even before the false positive came back, if I'm not mistaken, I thought I had read on Cruise Critic that Heidi had noted that there was a little bit of a gap in the testing between when the test occurred pre-cruise versus um, once on board the ship. Um, did did Is that still her her opinion on on how that's working? Is that a possible way to improve the current process in terms of uh working the testing to be a little more robust if you will
1: sure i mean i do think that we've seen the we've seen all cruise lines kind of that are that have restarted kind of go through this like what kind of test you have when you know what kind of uh you know what do you ask your passengers to do and you know different cruise lines kind of come up with different options and i do think that maybe what what's you know the maybe having multiple tests kind of thing. So what, what Heidi was, what Royal Caribbean was doing, and I don't know if they're going to change this or not. Um, I'm not quite sure. Maybe they will. Uh, what they had asked their passengers to do is that they had asked them to take a PCR test within 48 to 72 hours before boarding. Now, you know, Hi, and they one thing that they do do over there that's really nice is they help their passengers find a place to get the test, mm-hmm. so you're not having to kind of scramble on your own to find somewhere to get tested uh, but what you know what Heidi kind of pointed out is that. Other cruise lines have instituted, like MSC does this and, um, you know, uh, a competitor to Royal Caribbean and Singapore, Dream Cruises does this, where they require, they, they do a, um, an antigen rapid test within the cruise terminal. Now, an antigen test is not necessarily as reliable as this PCR test. However, it does give you a view, a snapshot of what's happening right now. And at least in MSC's case, when they did this rapid test, if somebody did come up positive, then they did a subsequent PCR test like right there in the terminal. And so, you know, whether Royal Caribbean takes that as a learning or not, we'll have to see. But it does kind of show, I mean, we've seen periodically with different outbreaks that, you know, testing is is a sort of a moment in that time and it doesn't necessarily predict, you know, whether somebody can, wh- whether it will show up a day later, you know, for example, that happened in the Dream case. Um, that in Dream, they had two layers of, um, of COVID testing and still a case came through. So, you know, there are innovations coming in testing, it sounds like, you know, Viking is one cruise line that has said that when they restart, they're going to have a PCR lab on board and they have um, tests that, that are saliva tests, not the nose swab, you know, thank God. And they're going to have cruisers test every single day. So there are different innovations that are coming with testing. And I'm sure Royal Caribbean is studying these just like all the other cruise lines are.
0: Yeah, it's it's an interesting time. And I think a lot of this, at least I feel this way, Chris, that if the vaccine is the thing that's on the horizon that makes, I feel like a lot of this, not irrelevant, but far less important than it would have been if we were talking exactly about all of this six months ago or even three months ago for that matter um it, it seems like with the vaccine on the horizon that these protocols are important and they'll still be important but they're not going to be the end-all be-all of what the cruise lines plans are because of course as you know chris you've gotten this question a thousand times i've gotten this question a thousand times you know when are cruises going to restart? How are they going to be able to restart with, with everything going? And obviously the answer I've always been giving is, boy, I don't know. <laughs> I might as well pick out winning lottery numbers because I probably have a better chance of guessing those correctly. But, you know, w- with this, with these kind of protocols that we're looking at here, you know, can this work? Singapore, as you noted, it's its, it's, its own little island figuratively and literally because of how they've operated here. But could these kind of protocols Uh, you know, work here in the U.S. or in Europe for that matter. Do you you see this as a promising start to uh, the overall restart plans?
1: Well, I think it's an evolution, right? I think, and, you know, it's important to kind of also note out that what we're seeing in the cruise industry is also being mirrored in other industries that, you know, travel overall has taken a hit in that, you know, just that's, that's what we've been told that, you know, we, we've seen that, that COVID cases sometimes follow travel. And so it's not the only industry grappling with these problems, you know, and how do we restart and open and keep people safe? Um, everybody's really doing that. And I think that there's just been, I mean, to your question of like, can you predict what we've seen at Cruise Critic is that really the narrative keeps switching, you know, week to week, you know, day to day. I mean. You know, we're just not really sure exactly when, you know, everything's going to happen. But, you know, you ha- what you have to kind of look at is the lessons that we're learning from all of these. And really, what does that show us going forward? Um, until you have a population that's entirely vaccinated, I think you're still going to see kind of a layer of protocols that are going to have to be in place. Uh, you know, at least it, when when cruises initially restart, that you can't rely on just, you know, just one thing, Um So I think that's going to continue, and uh, I, I do think that the cruise lines are going to be looking at all of those. Like, how can we layer? How can we create the right layers of protocols? Whether it's you know vaccines and testing, you know, still having some masks in some situations, still having social distancing in some situations. You know, how can we bring that all together to a way that makes things safe? And again, I don't think this is a problem just for the cruise lines to solve. I think there are a lot of industries out there that are grappling with these same issues.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I would also, so the cruise fan, I mean, we point out the other industries that are grappling, with these kind of issues don't have nearly the double standard that the cruise lines face in terms of media coverage, negative media coverage, I should say. And, uh, the, the standards the government oversight that the cruise lines face, but that's a different discussion for a different day. Um, but it is going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. I mean, Europe was by most, by most cases, it really a success. MSC, um, AIDA, costa they did a great job of restarting they had limited issues over there and it seemed to work pretty darn well i mean they only shut down because uh the the local governments there you know had to do their own thing irrespective of what the cruise lines were doing um and and certainly singapore is a good start but obviously the all eyes are still focused firmly on north america and even europe for next summer as well and how that's going to play out there and you know assuming there's no more issues here with with quantum and that that false case the false positive was just simply a false positive You know we're it's it's a step in the right direction certainly even though maybe there's already been some pr damage done but you know that it is what it is um it's it's going to be a very interesting six months or so in terms of when cruises do restart how quickly they're able to do this and a variety of other factors that again we you and i could speak for hours on this in terms of where you know how the different hurdles and, and 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 requirements that are that are that need to happen here um but quantum is still at the end of the day a important first step and you can't get past the first step.
1: No, and again, you know, I, I, even even like I said the false positive is going to lead to innovation and you know, I'm sure that they're figuring, you know, trying to figure out, okay, what went wrong with that false positive? How can we prevent that kind of thing from happening again? So, I you know, all these things, you know, it, it is going to be, I think a, a while before we kind of figure it all out, and again, you know, it's it, you know, looking at what one one thing I think we are learning the fact with Singapore and with Europe is that the reason those were able to restart is again the caseload in those countries was lower. You know, in Italy at the time, the summer they did drop their caseload. It's it surged again now, which is why they're not cruising, and so. I do think that we have to, you know, the government, you know, the cruise lines working with the governments are going to kind of have to account for these ebbs and falls, you know, at least until there is worldwide vaccination. And, um, you know, I I think that's going to be part of it. What, what, What is making the timeline difficult for North America is that there's never really been a lag in the cases, you know, that we kind of have continually had high number of cases compared to some of these other places in the world.
0: That's a great point. Well, Chris, I really appreciate you coming on here to, to talk to us about this first quantum of the seas cruise. And again, check, check out the show notes at uh, royalcoreanblog.com for um, how you can read some of the stuff here that Chris has been reporting on and some of the work that Heidi did as well. So uh, Chris, thanks so much for joining us here. And I hope we get to talk again really soon.
1: Oh yeah. Anytime, Matt. Thank you for having me.